Hello everyone, I'm Christopher Linfont, and welcome to Nest Talk, the most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Today we have a great show planned ahead for you. We're going to talk about some big bye week drama, um, whether or not it's time for the Ravens to rebuild, a couple injuries including Joe Flacco and Maurice Kennedy and the news surrounding those, and five, I'm sorry, three key matchups for the Bengals game this Sunday, the very crucial game that could determine the rest of the Ravens season and the foreseeable future of the franchise. Okay, so let's just jump right on into it. By week drama, a lot of things are happening uh, in the NFL. Uh, the Ravens sat out from playing, but there were a few games that they really wanted to see and in specific ways. And for the most part, the Ravens um, did well in the bye week based on these results that they could not you know, control. But the Ravens, I think, came out winners of the bye week, and I'll just get into why now. Um, the biggest, most important game that I had here was that um, the Cincinnati Bengals would um, be defeated by the New Orleans Saints. That was the um, most important game, in my opinion, for the Ravens, and that's exactly what happened. And it wasn't just a uh, New Orleans win, it was a complete blowout of the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Um, just breaking down this game, the Saints offense was unstoppable by the Bengals 32nd ranked defense in the league. Uh, the Saints put up 51 points uh, and the Bengals could only answer with 41. Uh, it was not a great day for the Bengals. Um, they had a chance to solidify themselves as playoff contenders, um, but now they're starting to skid a little bit here. Um, some stats that I think were interesting from this game. Drew Brees, he throws 22 out of 25 passes, complete 265 yards uh, for two, I'm sorry, three touch, three touchdowns. Um, you look at the rushing stats, Mark Ingram, 104 yards, Alvin Kamara, 56 yards, Dwayne Washington, 47 yards, uh, Taysom Hill, 24 yards. I mean, the Saints got it done in both the passing and running game. It'll be interesting to see um, what the Ravens can do um, against the Bengals with that. But on the offensive side of the ball, Andy Dalton not faring so well. Only came out with a 61.0 passer rating on the um, on the day. He completed 12 out of 20 passes for 153 yards, one touchdown, but two interceptions. Was also sacked four times. Not a good day at all for Cincinnati in that regard. Um, the best receiver was Tyler Boyd. He's been filling in really, um, as and I'm sorry, AJ Green has been absent for in against the Saints and is expected to be absent against the Ravens. Um, and he'll be you know the uh, leader of the receiving core for the Bengals. Um, you know with with uh, with AJ Green gone. So overall, not a very good day at all for the Bengals. Um, interestingly, the Ravens got some help. From Green Bay as well, who struggled early this year, but Green Bay was able to put up 31 points on the Miami Dolphins, who only scored 12. Um, they've been struggling for the past few weeks, and uh, especially with injuries, and now they've continued to struggle even further and fall down the rabbit hole here. Uh, they started out, I think, three and one. They're now at five and five, and you know, kind of staring at a situation where the Ravens are at, you know, kind of on the border of the playoffs here. Um, but they they're missing Ryan Tannehill, their starting quarterback, and they've got Brock Osweiler in right now. Brock Osweiler against the um, not super great 
Green Bay Packers defense. It's improved, but it's still not super great. Uh, he threw 23 of 37. Um, not very good there. Um, for 213 yards and a pick, sacked six times. Um, his quarterback rating finished as a 66.6. Uh, not great for Brock Osweiler. If you compare that to Aaron Rodgers, always going to do very well. 19 to 28, 199 yards. Um, not a whole lot of yardage there, but two touchdowns, only two sacks, and a quarterback rating of 112 yards. Um, look, um, Green Bay got it done on the ground as well. They had Devontae uh, Adams. I'm sorry. Uh, on the ground, they had Aaron Jones go for 145 yards uh, and Raven Green for 26. Jamal Williams for 3 yards. Aaron Rodgers also picked up 21 yards on 6 carries. I think that's a very big um, feature here for the Raven. I'm sorry, for the Packers in defeating the um, Miami Dolphins. The way they were able to run the ball against them was very, very uh, important. And that seems to be a weakness on the Miami front. Now, if you look at this receiving statistics by Green Bay, uh, they're pretty well evenly spread. Devontae Adams led the pack with 57 receiving yards on four catches. Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling, sorry, I, I butchered that name, um, six receptions for 44 yards. Mercedes Lewis caught a ball for 30 yards. Uh, Lance Kendricks, two receptions for 24 yards. Jimmy Graham, one reception for 14. Aquamius St. Brown, three receptions for two yards. Um, just spreading it out, that's what Aaron Rodgers is able to do here. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of yards to the air because they were consistently picking up it on the ground, able to run that clock out, keep Miami from having a lot of opportunities scoring, and putting up some big numbers on the Green Bay side. It's an all-around great offensive attack uh, by Green Bay. The offensive attack on Miami couldn't really get things done. As I mentioned, Brock Osweiler didn't have a very good day. Um, his his highest uh, receiver in total yardage would be Danny Amendola, seven receptions for 72 yards. He also had other receivers. Devontae Parker go for 43 yards on five receptions. Kenny Stills, 26 on two. Uh, some other guys with two receptions, Frank Gore, Kenyon Drake, and um, A.J. Derby. Kalen Babbage, Nico Leary, Mike Gusecki, Jakeem Grant, and um, Leonte Carew all caught a ball. Um, so you could see with Osweiler, he kind of just targeted mainly Amendola and Parker, but, I mean, not, not a great day for him throwing the ball. Of course, he has that interception sack six times. Um, and you also have to look at the running statistics. Frank Gore got 90 yards on the ground, which, you know, is pretty darn good for Frank Gore, especially considering his age. He's still an elite runner. Um, Kenyon Drake, 27 yards on the ground. I think that Miami just couldn't really finish drives. They couldn't really get the ball moving when they had to. Uh, they finished with three field goals. They couldn't score on these drives. So, you know, they had some of the numbers on the run side of the, uh, of the ball that would have helped. Um, and, you know, Oswald didn't play too terribly, but not great. Um, you know, if they just converted on opportunities, they would have been able to win this, maybe win this game, but unable to convert on many opportunities and ultimately it dooms, uh, the Miami Miami offense um, just couldn't couldn't get past the hump over Green Bay, and that's very good for the Ravens' playoff chances. As the Miami Dolphins will be in the race for the wild card, every loss counts at this point for them. Um, some other games that didn't help the Ravens. Obviously, the Steelers beat the Panthers fifty-two to twenty-one on the Thursday night football game. Uh, wild game there. I didn't actually watch this game, but I mean, just blowing. The Panthers out by that much as, you know, an achievement in itself. 52-21, to um, that's Carolina's third loss on the year. 
you look at the statistics here, Ben Roethlisberger is on point, 22 out of 25 for 328 yards, five touchdowns. I think that's a perfect quarterback rating, 158.3. Um, receivers, obviously, you're going to have Antonio Brown do very well with six receptions for 96 yards. He also had Vance McDonald, 44 yards on four um, catches. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster really did very well. He converted three receptions for 90 yards. His longest was a 75-yard catch and run. Ryan Switzer caught two balls for 31 yards, and Jalen Samuels caught four—I'm sorry, three receptions for 22 yards. On the ground, uh, the Steelers continue to get it done with James Conner. Uh, 13 rushes for 65 yards and a touchdown. Um, looking at the the Carolina statistics here, Cam Newton had a pretty decent day, but not obviously not enough. They just could not keep up. With um with the Steelers' attack, Cam Newton threw 23 uh, uh, completions for 29 tries, 193. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 193 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Sacked five times compared to Roethlisberger's one sack. Uh, but he did finish Cam Newton with a rate of a uh, quarterback rate of a rating of 103.0. Only two rushes on the ground for him. And Christian McCaffrey, uh, 14 rushes on the ground, 77 yards there, and then three res- uh, five receptions. For 61 yards on the ground, uh, those two players, Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey, essentially run that Panthers offense. Um, obviously, this this game does not help the Ravens. Um, it really wouldn't have helped that much if the Steelers had lost, especially with the way that the division is panning out at this point. This the Steelers look like they're going to run away with it at six two and one now, and the Bengals starting to falter. They're at five and four. The Ravens, if they can get the win, will get them to five and five, tied with the Bengals. Um, and the Steelers just, you know, seem to be rolling. They're in their midseason form, as they always seem to come at this point. Um, and Le'Veon Bell hasn't played all year, and Le'Veon Bell won't play for the rest of the year now. Uh, he was a no-show to sign his tender, his franchise tender, and he is now out for the entire year. He cannot play with the Steelers. He will be a free agent this upcoming um, offseason. So that'll be interesting to watch once we get to that point. Now, um, the pa- the Patriots lost to the Titans in a matchup that would really help the Ravens if the Titans would lose, kind of push them back down to the you know undercut of the playoff contention. But the Titans just ultimately made the Patriots choke this one out. Uh, Thirty-four to ten was the final score. The New England offense looked sluggish all game. I saw parts of it. Um, Marcus Mariota had a pretty good day. Uh, 16 of 24 for 228 yards, two touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. Brady, he threw the ball way more than he probably should have uh, needed to. 21 for 41 for 254 yards, got sacked three times, only finished with a quarterback rating of 70.6 compared to Marcus Mariota's 125.0. Um, looking over this Titans, um, this t- these Titans statistics, Marcus Mariota also ran 21. I'm sorry, tw- two times for 21 yards. Deion Lewis on the ground ran 20 times, but only got 57 yards. Derrick Henry 11 times for 58 yards uh, receiving. Uh, Corey Davis had a field day. Um, was in you know last year there were talks about him potentially being the Ravens' pick um, in the draft. I think that yeah last year, not this past year, but the one prior before uh, they drafted Marlon Humphrey. Um, but the Tennessee picked him up before the Ravens could, and he's having a, he had a field day against the Patriots. He had a little bit of a disappointing year last year, didn't play very much, was injury-prone, but this year he's gotten better. Um, Jonu Smith, three receptions for 45 yards, um, and then the final really big player would be Cameron Batson, three receptions, I'm sorry, two receptions for 36 yards. 
on the uh, New England side of the ball, Edelman, of course, is going to be your presence as a wide receiver. Uh, he caught nine balls for 104 yards. Um, Josh Gordon got 81 yards through the air on four catches, and that was really it. Not a whole lot of receiving there. Um, on the ground, they only ran it 15 times. Uh, you had Sony Michelle run um, 11 times for 31 yards, and Cordell Patterson got four attempts to run it for... I'm sorry, they ran it 15, 16 times. Cordell Patterson got it four times for 11 yards. That puts him at 15. Uh, James Devlin, the fullback, got a, got a rush for about one yard. Uh, and James White actually got a rush too, but he uh, he ran for negative five yards, so we're going to kind of leave that there. Um, not a great day for the Patriots. You know, as a Ravens fan, you're not really ever going to want to root for the Patriots, but needed them to beat the Titans for some help. Titans now at five and four. They were f- uh, three and four a few weeks ago, and now all of a sudden they're five and four. They beat the Cowboys. They beat the Patriots in amazing fashion. We'll have to see how they play down the road. Remember, the Ravens have the tiebreaker, so as long as they can finish with the same record or above the Titans, they will be okay. But we don't want the Titans to get too out of hand going down in the stretch here. Um, the final game I want to talk about is the Browns and Falcons game. Uh, the Browns upset the Falcons 28-16 to in Cleveland. Um, you know, I said that it would be nice if the Falcons could win this to kind of push the Browns completely out of playoff contention once and for all. Uh, they're not really playoff contenders. They're more pretenders at this point, 3-6-1. and one. It'd be very difficult for them to make the uh, playoffs. Uh, they still have a mathematical chance to do it, though. But um, I think the Falcons, if they had won, would have you know kind of pushed them way towards the end of it uh, and you know really shot them out of any realistic chance. But the Browns pull off the upset. Uh, Baker Mayfield completely outplayed Matt Ryan. Just looking at these statistics here, uh, and and the game film uh, from what I saw, 17 of 20, 216 yards, um, three touchdowns for Baker Mayfield compared to Matt Ryan's 38 of 52, 330 yards, and two touchdowns. If you go off quarterback rating, uh, Mayfield went for 151.2 compared to Matt Ryan's 102.2. Um, but the key to the game for the Browns really was the rushing attack. Um, they got it done on the ground. Nick Chubb ran it 20 times for 176 yards on the ground. And, of course, a touchdown there. Uh, he also caught three balls for 33 yards. Baker Mayfield spread the ball out very well. He had receivers go from uh, a high of 39 yards with Antonio Callaway to 31 yards with Duke Johnson, 33 with Brashad Perryman. That's a strange one, isn't it? Brashad Perryman caught two balls for 33 yards. Rashard Higgins uh, caught a ball for 28 Jarvis Landry, 2 for 22, David Njoku, 1 for 18, and Orson Charles, 1 for 6. Uh, you look at the the Falcons, Julio Jones, 7 for 107 yards uh, in the air. Calvin Ridley, who I still think should have been a Raven, 3 out of 37. Mohamed Sanu, 6 out of 47. I'm sorry, 6 for 47. And you've got Austin Hooper, uh, 10 for 56 yards. On the ground, Atlanta didn't really get it done, 11 for 44, and then... Uh, with Tevin Coleman and Ito Smith, uh, 4 for 11. Um, and Matt Ryan ran it three times for about 13 yards. Not a great day for the Falcons. Uh, what it exposes about the Falcons is that they are completely beatable for the Ravens. The Ravens have to face them. Uh, come December, December 2nd is the game, I believe. And, you know, it's a away game in Atlanta. It's going to be a difficult one. But with the way they've played against the Browns and some other teams this year, you have to think that this is going to be a very winnable game for the Ravens and a crucial spot going down the stretch. Uh, I think this is, it's also going to be a must-win come that time as long as the Ravens can beat uh, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Oakland Raiders before that, 
then they will play the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. Um, but they've got to win those two games first. So that's it for the bye week uh, drama throughout the league as the Ravens sat out. Um, about the Bengals game, um, Terrell Austin was fired after it, 51-14, blowout, 32nd ranked defense in the league. Marvin Lewis will will be calling plays for the remainder of the season, uh, starting with the Ravens this upcoming week. And we'll talk about that game in a little while. But first, I want to talk about whether or not it's time for the Ravens to rebuild. I saw a lot of people saying that the Ravens need to start the rebuilding process now. A lot of people want Harbaugh fired immediately, want Lamar Jackson starting a quarterback, and you know want to begin the process of rebuilding this entire franchise from the top down um, at the 4-5 and five position here uh, heading into Week 11. Um, I honestly cannot agree with that. Um, it makes no sense to me. Look, it's not time to rebuild until everything is done. I think that if the Ravens don't make the playoffs this year, you have a very good case of getting rid of Harbaugh. Uh, I get that. Um, I'm not sure it would be the correct decision based on the amount of injuries and kind of, you know, muffed draft picks in recent years. Um, but I see what, what, what what's where it's coming from. I don't think it's time to start Lamar Jackson. I mean, if Joe Flacco can't go, it's one thing. But if he's healthy come Sunday, um, I think that Joe Flacco should be the starter. Um, he gives you the best chance to win whether you like it or not. Lamar Jackson is still unproven. The Ravens still have a chance at the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be difficult, but mathematically, they're still in it. They have, according to, to ESPN, a 36.1% chance of making the playoffs. I mean, these aren't insignificant numbers. Um, and if they beat the Bengals, it'll skyrocket. I think, you know, at least... I don't know how they're calculating these things, but I would say it's at least 50% chance that they can beat the Bengals and get to 5-5. Five and five. And if the Dolphins lose again, they're down to 5-5. Five and five. And let's say the Titans lose and they're at 5-5, five and five, then everybody's at 5-5 five and five looking for that last wildcard spot. And it's just a race to whoever can finish with the best um, best record at that point. I think the Ravens have a favorable schedule down the stretch except for the two games uh, in Los Angeles against the Chargers and um, in Kansas City against the Chiefs. But you have to think that they could beat one of those two teams uh, the Chiefs are going to be difficult, but if their defense can get rolling again, you know, how it played against some good teams, how it played against Pittsburgh in Week 4, you know, how it's how it played against New Orleans for most of the game, if it can do that, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs game unfolds. Um, I think the Chargers is a winnable game, but I would lean it towards the Chargers right now. But I think of, of the other remainders um, of the season, you have the Buccaneers, I think is very winnable. Um, you know, you should win that. The Browns, you should absolutely win. Um, we should be able to beat the Falcons. We should be able to beat the Raiders. Uh, and the really only toss-up would be Cincinnati. But if they don't have A.J. Green, and if they, you know, have a new defensive system with Marvin Lewis, or, you know, just a different play-calling system, uh, um, I don't really see how they're going to be able to pull off that win, especially since it's in Baltimore. Uh, Ravens like to split the series with the Bengals. That's really what, you know, is going on with the division, I think, is, is they're going to split all the series this year. Um as long as they can beat this Bengals team. And I think the Ravens probably have the upper um, upper hand on this one. So I don't think it's really time to, to you know, start going over contracts, bench Joe Flacco, fire John Harbaugh, and do all these things. Um, and if you don't agree with me that, you know, oh, the Ravens have a really good chance to make the playoffs, and that's why, you know, we should hold off for a little bit, well, then I want you to consider at least Lamar Jackson. How would that affect Lamar Jackson if the Ravens were to start the rebuilding process immediately? Fire John Harbaugh, get rid of the coordinators who've been working with him all at this time, and hire some random um, assistant, you know, to to be the interim 
I guess it would be Jerry Rosberg, in my opinion. If they were ever to get rid of Harbaugh or if Harbaugh was to leave midseason, they'd have to go with Jerry Rosberg as the interim. Um, but you don't know what's going to happen, how it would affect Lamar Jackson's development. You know, Marty Morway worked with Michael Vick and made him a better quarterback in Philadelphia. I think it's very possible that, you know, they want to tailor Lamar with Marty Morway for the future. Um, you know, after the season, it's one thing if you can bring in an offensive-minded head coach. I've heard John Filippo's name. I've heard Lincoln Riley's name. Some people want Bobby Petrino, which I think would be a terrible decision. Um, but it's another thing to fire uh, Harbaugh midseason and cause some chaos. Um you know, with Lamar Jackson and his development down the, down the stretch here. Okay, I also want to talk about Joe Flacco's injury. This could be a reason Lamar Jackson actually could get a start soon. Um, Har- uh, I'm sorry, Joe Flacco got injured against the Steelers on the first drive of the game. Um, injured his hip, but was able to play through it. Obviously, he looked way out of whack with that hip injury. He wasn't as accurate as he usually is, missed some open throws. Um, and I think... You know, that was the main reason that, that he was kind of struggled and was a little hurried for the rest of the game. Offensive line obviously gave him no help, so he had to, you know, feeling that hip injury, he had to really sling it quickly um, and was missing some opportunities, um, things he didn't see, etc. But um, he's underwent tests. He's receiving treatment. Um, people claim they have spotted him on crutches, although I haven't seen any considerable proof of him on crutches, but they say he's on crutches. He did not practice today. He's out with that hip injury. Um, receiving treatment is why he was not at practice, was not available for the media. Um, it, it's really up in the air whether he can play on Monday. Some say he might need surgery for this, which could keep him out for a long time, perhaps the entire season. I haven't heard of him, have him needing surgery. He underwent tests. Um, you know, it's difficult to say whether or not he can play Sunday. Harbaugh said he doesn't have to practice to play. He's a veteran. He's been practicing for his entire career. You know, as long as he's healthy, he'll be, you know, the starter. Um, and Harbaugh's really playing this game now where he is just letting Marvin Lewis go crazy with who's going to play, who's not going to play, the intrigue battle going on between these two coaches now because now Marvin Lewis is saying, well, maybe A.J. Green can play. I think we all know A.J. Green's not going to play. He was ruled out for at least two weeks by doctors. Uh, he only, you know, has been out for one week so far isn't practicing, I really doubt he'll play. But, you know, I think that that the the, the game they're going to play with Flacco here, you know, he very well could be on track to play Sunday, uh, but we'll never know it. We won't know until the inactives are released on Sunday whether or not Harba, uh, Harbaugh plans to play Flacco. And even if they are, you know, released and Flacco's not on the inactives list, maybe Flacco is just going to sit on the bench and be the emergency quarterback. Put Lamar Jackson and a combination of RG3 in there, and see what they can do, but maybe Flacco's active anyway. I mean, you just don't know what Harbaugh's planning here, and I think he's doing a good job of not letting anybody know because no one actually has any idea. Nobody in the media, none of the players are saying anything, nobody in-house is saying anything, nobody's got a lead on this, uh, and it's mind-boggling because we don't know what Flacco's going to do. But if I know Joe Flacco, he'll try to play this game. He played with a torn ACL to win a game. Uh, he played half a year with a back injury to give the team a better chance to win. Uh, he's done a lot for this team. He's a very durable quarterback. He's played through injuries, tough ones. Uh, and, you know, if he's if he can stand upright, I think he'll try to play. So we'll have to see how this pans out. Um, but the question is, if Joe Flacco doesn't play, who who are you going to put in there? Are you going to put in RG3 at com- uh, or Lamar Jackson or a combination of the two? 
if I'm Harbaugh, I would kind of think that RG3, at least for the first half of the game, and if nothing's working with him, then I would put in Lamar Jackson just because, you know, this is a very crucial year for not only the franchise, but for Harbaugh himself. Um, you know, making the playoffs is at the utmost concern. I think RG3 gives you the better chance. You know, he's done it before he's gone to the playoffs. Um, he's led successful teams in the past. I think he's a more polished quarterback than Lamar Jackson at this point. Um, and if, if you want to win this game, I think RG3 gives you the better chance to win the game. Uh, but if it's not getting done, I think you would put in Lamar Jackson. If, if nothing is happening on offense, um, you know, that's the time you put in Lamar Jackson. But, you know, we'll have to see how it pans out. A lot of people are speculating that Lamar Jackson would be the starter. Um, I can't guarantee that. I, I am leaning towards RG3 just on, you know, intuition here. But, you know, I don't have any concrete sources telling me one thing, and I don't think anybody really has any concrete sources telling them the other thing anyway. So we'll have to wait and see how this pans out. We won't know until the first play of the game who's the starting quarterback, and then that might change from there too. So we just don't know. Um, but what we do know is Maurice Kennedy was taken off the injured reserve. Um, this isn't super big news because we kind of thought this was coming. Harbaugh hinted at it last week that he expected after the bye most of the players to be healthy. This was before Joe Flacco's injury news broke. Um, and that includes Maurice Kennedy, uh, who went on the IR after the first game against the Bills um, with a thigh injury. Now he's off the IR. The Ravens have 21 days from Mondays when they took him off to activate him. Uh, otherwise, he'll be put back on the IR, and I believe that would be season-ending at that point. But, I mean, I don't see any indication of why Maurice Kennedy won't be active in the next week or so. Um, I believe he's practicing. I I, we just got the the um, those who didn't practice, um, and it does not list um, Maurice Kennedy, but it does list Tavon Young, Tim Williams, Ronnie Stanley, Tony Jefferson, James Hurst, and Joe Flacco, kind of guys we thought that we would know that weren't going to practice. Um, but yeah, Maurice Kennedy coming back, I think he'll play sooner than later at this point, um, and he's a good developmental player. He's had some injury problems, but I think you know when he gets a chance to shine, he'll shine. He's made some good plays in his career so far. Okay, finally, the three key matchups against the Bengals. This is the most crucial game. I know I said this about the Steelers game, but this is now the most crucial game the Ravens season, and perhaps for the future of the franchise, if the Ravens lose this game. Uh, the realistic chance at a playoff berth is going to be drastically lowered because the Bengals will have the tiebreaker against them at 6-4. and four. The Ravens will be 4-6, and six, and it would just be very difficult for the Ravens to come back. They can't finish 10-6 and six if the Bengals finish 10-6 and six and get the playoff spot. Um, they'd have to win all but one game at that point, um, and they can't finish 9-7 and seven if the Bengals finish 9-7 and seven and you know, to make a playoffs, they pretty much have to win out at that point. So the Bengals game is extremely crucial. They have to win this game. Uh, I think they have the upper edge, but I won't predict it yet. I think a lot of it has to do with our first um, key matchup here on, on who wins this game. I think it's Joe Flacco versus his hip is probably the most crucial matchup here. I know this is an unconventional thing or an unconventional matchup to you know say is you know oh so important, uh, but Flacco versus his hip. Is Flacco going to be healthy? If he's not healthy, I am not confident in this team being the Cincinnati Bengals. I am sorry. You know, for all the struggles Joe Flacco's had against the Bengals in his career, he still gives the Ravens the absolute best chance to win this game. Lamar Jackson is unproven. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson's bad. I'm just saying he's unproven. And we don't know what we'll get um, from him. He might be, you know, the greatest quarterback ever to play sitting on the bench right now. 
or he might be a complete flop. Uh, you know, his first game ever, I would assume he would struggle against a team like the Bengals, too, that is known to give, you know, Baltimore some serious issues, um, you know, with their defense. So we're going to have to see if Joe Flacco can play. I think still that RG3 would give them the best chance to win if Flacco's not out. I'm sorry, if Flacco is out. Um, but if Flacco's out there on the field, I think the Ravens have a very good chance of winning the game. Um, another key matchup, Alex Collins versus the front seven. Obviously, with the quarterback situation, even if Flacco plays, you're going to want someone on the ground getting it done to take pressure off him, especially if he's still feeling some sort of uh, soreness from that, that hip. Um, Alex Collins has to get it done. I don't know what Marty Mornweg is doing. He barely ran Collins last game. I think that they just have to get Collins more involved. I think the blocking scene needs a much needed overhaul. There are points in the game where, where blockers will jump from the middle of the line, try to get the outside, and the tackle will move into the inside. It's just too much trickery, which you saw under the Kubiak scheme when the run game was the most successful um, since the Ravens won the Super Bowl. It's a straightforward go-ahead blocking. It's straightforward, you know, plays. It's simple but effective. And I think that Marty Mornweg is kind of overthinking this blocking scheme where he's moving guards into where, you know, running around, and he's leaving guys, you know, wide open coming through the middle and just bottling up the run, run game over and over again. Um, you know, Alex Collins can only do so much until he's, you know, given a, a line or a scheme or something that he can work with. Um... Something needs to be done. Um, if you can't get it done on the ground with him, you may as well put Lamar Jackson in on packages if he's not the starter, or just have him run the ball the entire time because he's getting it done the best when he's on the field because um, it adds a whole new dimension. Anyway, you know you can run with Collins, and you're still going to average more yards with Collins if Lamar Jackson's on the field. So Alex Collins versus the Bengals front seven, very crucial matchup. Take pressure off the quarterback, get you know some yards offensively, uh, and provide stability to the offense in total. Finally, I want to talk about the last matchup I think is very important as well. Jimmy Smith versus Tyler Boyd. Uh, Jimmy Smith played much better uh, against Pittsburgh than he did against other teams. Still not 100%, you know, what we saw of him in 2017. But A.J. Green is probably going to be out. Uh, I can't see A.J. Green playing in this game with his foot injury. That leaves Tyler Boyd as the probably, probable number one receiver. Obviously, Tyler Boyd last year cursed us by the 4th and 12 play and running it in to get us away from the playoffs. Not very fun at all. Um, but someone's got to bottle him up, and I think Jimmy Smith's going to have a good opportunity to do so. Um, Tyler Boyd is not the best receiver in the league. He's really not that super great, but the Bengals find ways to utilize him if they can just bottle him up, uh, do it effectively. Then you could put Marlon Humphrey and Brandon Carr on other you know receivers. Uh and really bottle up this this Bengals offense, you know. And if you can do that with the Bengals defense being so bad as as, as, as it already is, then I think the Ravens are probably going to be able to pull off a win there. But of course, my prediction won't come until Sunday morning on the Baltimore Feather, uh, BaltimoreFeather.com. Um, thanks for listening to this episode of Nest Talk, episode 17. We're really flying by with episodes. Our weekly episodes always come out on Wednesdays. You can follow Nest Talk at Nest Talk on Twitter or just search it up on Facebook. Uh, you can find us uh, on Facebook, Baltimore Feather, or at Be More Feather on Twitter. Or you can just always hit up the page, uh, BaltimoreFeather.com. I'm Chris Linfont at Chris Linfont signing out. I hope you all have a great day, a great week. And we look forward to the Ravens playing the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. Take care, everybody.